Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Jen Nicholson. And I'm Blair Cook. Today we're speaking with Sarah Keyes, who's a principal at ESG Global Advisors. Sarah is a thought leader, consultant, and auditor, and is a recognized voice on the financial impacts of ESG issues for the Canadian business community. In her previous roles at CPA Canada, she developed research and guidance on climate change issues and implications for business decision-making, reporting, and oversight. Sarah was a recipient of the 2018 Emerging Leader Award from CPA Ontario for her innovative work in climate change and sustainability for the accounting profession. And today we're going to talk to Sarah about sustainability. We're going to look at some trends and reporting frameworks that CPAs shouldn't ignore. Let's get started. I'm happy to have with me Sarah Keys, who is the principal with ESG Global Advisors. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about sustainability, trends and reporting frameworks that you shouldn't ignore. I want to start out with some understanding because a lot of us CPAs, you know, we come from debits and credits and, and cash in and cash out. But there's a new balance sheet emerging out there, and it really comes under this banner of ESG. Uh, can you articulate what is ESG and why is it something we need to pay attention to? Absolutely. So you're right. There have been a number of different acronyms out there, words like sustainability, corporate social responsibility, ESG, or environmental, social, and governance, and how do accountants make sense of all of this? So one thing I want to distinguish between is that ESG is relatively new, but what's not so new is corporate social responsibility. And the market can be forgiven for putting these two terms together and using them synonymously. But they're not the same thing? They are not. So CSR has been around for many decades and it covers a broad range of environmental and social issues that matter to many company stakeholders. This could include customers, employees, suppliers, and local communities. And their areas of interest, expectations, and associated information needs are quite different because of the diverse stakeholder group. What's different is ESG. ESG is environmental, social, and governance factors that have the potential to materially impact financial value of companies, both in the short, medium, and long term. ESG is the subset of financially material CSR factors that are of interest to the capital markets. This includes shareholders, bondholders, lenders, insurers, proxy advisors, rating agencies, and financial regulators. So ESG is really derived from the broader universe of CSR issues, and it applies that financial materiality lens, which CPAs are so familiar with. So where's where's the concept of triple bottom line? Is that closer to ESG or is that closer to CSR? Triple bottom line would be closer to traditional CSR thinking. ESG actually embeds itself in the existing balance sheet, income statement, and cash flow statement. So the reason investors care about ESG is because they believe it impacts cash flows. So ESG, I think of this more from an investment lens, whereas CSR is broader for more stakeholders. Correct. Simply put, CSR is about values and ESG is about value. Interesting. That's a good way to remember it. Yeah, that helps. so when we get, let's just drill into the, the, uh, the ESG, if you will. And so talk about some of the factors that underpin the E part, the S part, and the G part. Sure. 
So first and foremost, I think governance is nothing new, both for accountants working in companies as well as investors. Governance has always been critically important. What's relatively new are the evolving expectations from the capital markets that senior management and boards of directors are embedding material, environmental, and social issues into their existing governance processes and structures. So a good example of this is climate change, a typically an E issue that has social implications as well as governance implications. So climate change is one of those really pervasive and systemic ESG issues that has the potential to materially impact companies across a variety of sectors. One common misconception is that climate change only materially impacts companies with a high greenhouse gas emissions profile. But that's not necessarily the whole picture. Uh, we know that we're experiencing increasing frequency and severity of extreme weather events, for example. And this can have real financial implications in terms of business disruption, uh, continuity, as well as long-term asset valuations as we transition to a lower carbon economy. So boards have a lot of strategic issues on the table to be thinking about. If climate change is material to their organization, then they should be embedding it into their existing oversight processes, how they interact and talk to management, and ensure that any material E, S, or G factors are disclosed in their financial filings. So, so it's, uh, you're looking at it from a disclosure perspective, but from a governance structure, is there other indicators that you look at, say, in terms of assessing a company, in terms of their ESG maturity? Sure. I mean, the first question that investors will typically ask is whether or not the board is overseeing material ESG issues. And in many Canadian companies, they're starting to face some of these questions for their investors today. Ultimately, boards are expected to understand the linkage between material, environmental and social factors as it relates to their governance and oversight. So if information is material, it ought to be reported up regularly to the board and they should be able to ask questions of management as to how they're linking it with overall business strategy, risk management, and operational and financial performance. So how, does, uh, how do we as CPAs make this linkage between what we've traditionally reported as performance, financially driven, and this new value derivation uh, that comes from the ESG world? How do I put those together in, in my reporting package? It's a great question and I think one that a lot of reporting teams across this country are grappling with. There have been a number of different reporting frameworks that have popped up in the absence of one set of cohesive standards. So we know that ESG factors are not captured within our international accounting standards. Mm -hmm. And certainly the chair of the International Accounting Standards Board has recently commented on this uh, convergence of ESG and sustainability reporting frameworks. He indicated that the International Accounting Standards Board will not delve into setting new standards in this space. Rather, Interesting. they're going to wait until material ESG factors actually make their way onto the financial statements, onto the face of the financial statements. Now, what's critically important for accountants and external financial reporting teams today is to begin to disclose, at least in a qualitative way, how some of these risks could be material to their business. So the first step is actually identifying how ESG factors could materially impact the financial performance of the company. And the second step is actually disclosing, at least in a qualitative way, 
how they could reasonably impact the company. As time goes on, we need to quantify it. And certainly that's where I see CPAs being able to lead and be at the forefront. So it's interesting. That's, those are really interesting comments because I'm trying to figure out who's driving the disclosures here. Is it coming from the, uh, it doesn't sound like the accountants are leading it. We could also have securities regulators out there that could have a role to play in this. And then we have, you know, a lot of your clients, which would be uh, institutional investors that are demanding it. And then lastly, we could have it just coming from ourselves because it's the right thing to do as a profession. Uh, as CPAs. And so which of those forces is leading the charge on on getting these disclosures included? So I would say it is the institutional investor community who's leading the charge when it comes to ESG. And there's only really one reason for that, cash flows. They see ESG factors as impacting both today's cash flows as well as their long-term cash flow horizons. In many cases, it is the asset owners, uh, folks like pensions and sovereign wealth funds, who've got a really long tail of liabilities that they need to be able to pay off. And they're recognizing that ESG factors can systemically embed themselves in portfolios. If not managed, these investors aren't getting paid for these risks that they're taking on. So investors are pushing companies within their portfolios to disclose this information so they can make more holistic, well-informed decisions. Now, securities regulators have started to pay attention to this growing trend. So in Canada, the Canadian Securities Administrators in August of 2019 issued climate change reporting guidance, staff notice 51358 for the CPAs listening to this. Uh, It really covers off the expectation that climate change specifically is viewed by the financial regulators as a material business risk. And if it is deemed material by the company, it should be disclosed in their regulatory filings. So environmental is it's very broad in my mind. We talked about carbon, and that's obviously one key element of it. But I mean, there's when I think of it, there's water usage, there's other types of emissions like mercury and sulfur and you know other types of things out there. Uh, how do you deal with the almost, almost infinite scope of environmental ramifications that uh, potentially could uh, happen with uh, an operation? Absolutely. I think it's an important question. And the first point I'll make is that environmental issues tend to be interconnected. So we know that climate change, for example, poses a very great risk to water availability and quality. So some of these issues are actually exacerbating other environmental issues. We also saw the issue of single-use plastics being one Mm -hmm. that got taken up very broadly by the public very quickly when we saw some images uh, of turtles with uh, plastic straws embedded in their in their face and we also saw large islands worth of plastic floating in the oceans these visual images catalyzed a very strong global public response so how do companies deal with this uh, i think the most important thing is identifying the subset of material esg factors for your sector So in many cases, there are tons and tons of sustainability issues that companies could and may be interested in tackling. Uh, From an investor standpoint, they really want to see companies that are focusing on those ESG factors that are most relevant to their sector. And that's usually a really good starting point. From there, you can contextualize with company-specific factors. So I'll give an example. If you're a mining company, we know greenhouse gas emissions, for example, are a big environmental issue. We also know asset retirement obligations can be a huge issue, as well as some social factors like health and safety. 
So if a tailings pond is not managed appropriately, it could contaminate a local water source. So you can kind of see the connection between the E, the S, and the G issues. Mm -hmm. If the board has not set up appropriate processes to oversee and manage these material risks, the company could be exposed from an investor standpoint, having not managed something that it ought to have known better. Okay. Uh, part of the S that just comes to my mind here, you know, in Canada, we are confronted with a lot of the First Nations reconciliation. Is that an element of ESG? Absolutely. So that is a really important piece, especially in a Canadian context. So one really good example is the fact that Canada's north is actually warming at three to four times the global average. So to date, Canada is experiencing double what we have in terms of global average warming. So on, on an average globally, we have experienced one degree Celsius of warming above pre-industrial levels. For Canada, that's translated into roughly two degrees of warming right across our country. The further north we go, we get closer to three to four degrees of warming. Now this has significant consequences for the communities living in these northern areas, many of whom are indigenous communities. And there's the interrelationships you were talking about earlier, right? Exactly. So you think about things like communities that are built on permafrost, uh, where infrastructure is literally sinking into the ground, schools, hospitals, bridges, roads. And in many cases, this is critical infrastructure, not only for the communities to live a safe and healthy lifestyle, but also for goods and services to get to and from those remote communities that depend on those ice roads, for example, that are quickly melting. Yeah, and I can say, as I discussed with you earlier, I, I am a, I'm, a, I'm a CFO of a shipping company, and I'm hearing more and more from my investors that ESG is uh, becoming a, a much more important part of the investment analysis before they'll lend us money or invest in our company. So, you know, myself and maybe others out there are getting this kind of feedback. I'm curious to know, or help me and others, how do I start? What frameworks do I look like? You, you mentioned there's a lot of different people and frameworks that are out there. Who's the leading contender for where I should start with uh, getting guidance? So it's an excellent question. So there are two really important investor-focused reporting frameworks. So the first one is the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, or the TCFD recommendations. Uh, the TCFD was established uh, by the Financial Stability Board in response to concerns about unpriced risks in the global capital markets associated with climate change. So a very famous Canadian, Mark Carney, in his capacity of chair of the Financial Stability Board, struck this task force in December 2015. And he appointed a very no notable name in Canada, uh, Michael Bloomberg, to chair the task force. Mm -hmm. And they came up with a series of 11 recommendations across four disclosure categories, governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets. Now, for now, these, these recommendations are voluntary. Uh, that being said, increasingly, we are seeing these become de facto mandatory. So you remember those investors you were just talking about. They're using these 11 recommendations and using this to look at my company through that lens? That's right. And because they've said, we are going to adopt these recommendations, as you can imagine, if the companies they're invested in haven't adopted them, they're going to be pushing to get more and more of this information so they can report it to their clients and their beneficiaries. And so the TSFD, what does that stand for one more time? The Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, TCFD. Excellent. Yeah, so if you wanted to look that up. What about any other leading contenders that are out there in terms of reference points? 
Yeah, so the other framework that I think is really valuable for CPAs to be aware of is actually out of the United States, perhaps a surprising place for something in the ESG space to originate from in today's day and age. So that's the United States Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, or SASB for short. Uh, That's easy to remember, FASB, but SASB. Yes, and I think think they did a little bit of a play on words just to catch... Just to make it memorable. That's actually smart, as opposed to the TCFD. Yes, exactly. And we know that there are too many acronyms in this space, so simplifying it helps with memorability. Absolutely. And the interesting thing about SASB, just to compare and contrast with TCFD, the TCFD is very focused on climate. Now, that is only one... ESG issue, albeit a very important and pervasive one. SASB's framework is a little bit broader. It covers the whole gamut of environmental, social, and governance issues, but its unique twist is that it focuses on only those that are financially material for a given sector. So it takes it down to that sector level and outlines a whole variety of different ESG topics, as well as associated accounting metrics for reporting to your investors in a consistent and comparable way. Interesting, and what kind of traction is SASB getting? So SASB originally started focusing only on the US and they wanted US public companies to include their standards as part of their regulatory filings to the SEC. Uh, Since the political landscape has changed in the US, SASB has since expanded its focus beyond just the United States and to more of a global market, recognizing actually that large global institutional investors have been taking the SASB standards and using them as their own playbook to integrate ESG into their investment analysis. So if you're a company, this might be a great place to start to figure out what your investors might start asking you on the topic of ESG. I've never heard of these before today, which is rather interesting. So like, how do people learn more? Do you go to the SASB website or the TSCFD website and, and research? Or do you, is, there, is there an emerging thought leadership in this area that people can tap into? So definitely the final recommendations report of the TCFD, which can be found on the TCFD's website, is a great place to start. And the same goes for the SASB standards. It's really important to note, actually, given how many reporting frameworks are out in the marketplace right now, these two frameworks are actually complementary rather than competing or overlapping. Well, that's good. It's helpful. So the... SASB standards are actually used to comply with the metrics and targets category of the TCFD recommendations for your sector. The other thing to note is that CPA Canada has produced a significant amount of thought leadership, research and guidance on the topic of climate related and ESG related disclosure, reporting, decision making and corporate governance. And all of these are freely available resources on the CPA Canada website. And you may have had a hand in writing a few of those. Yes, I certainly (laughs) did in my previous role working for CPA Canada. Very good. So another question that that comes to mind around this uh, emerging area of ESG and, and is around certification let's call it that, or compliance, or, you know, for instance, in my business, I, I do offshore supply vessels. We're green marine certified. And so there's standards associated with green marine that we have to comply with. There's different levels. Is that, who's going to uh, audit, if you will, CPA is going to understand that. Who's going to audit compliance or adherence to these standards? Is that is that a part of the conversation? 
It certainly is a part of the conversation. So I think once we actually get consistent and comparable ESG reporting from companies, the next natural step is to have that information verified or audited by a third party, and who better to do that than CPAs. I would say it's early days for that conversation. So what you've started to see is elements of ESG disclosure as opposed to entire reports being audited. So a good example is greenhouse gas emissions. Many companies will get their carbon footprint verified by a third party, in many cases a CPA, and I myself actually am a certified greenhouse gas auditor and have done that type of work previously. And I can personally tell you, it was so surprising to see how well our skills and competencies applied to just a different set of numbers. Where do you get those numbers, though? That's the interesting thing. So how do you, if we're, if we're now we're getting down to the weeds, like how do you come up with the metrics that support ESG? And I think you're asking an excellent question because you have to be able to compare one company's greenhouse gas emissions number to another to figure out who's performing better. Yes. And that's what investors are doing. So there are a number of global standards that are used to calculate your greenhouse gas emissions. And CPA Canada actually has a publication that outlines some of the leading frameworks that are used by global companies. Uh, one is the greenhouse gas protocol, and another is the International Standards Organization, ISO 1464. That is the standard, the national standard that is applied in Canada, many jurisdictions, to calculate your greenhouse gas emissions. Is there a Coles Note version of this that you could just share with us so, just to help us conceptualize how we calculate this? So that's exactly what we tried to achieve in CPA Canada's uh, primer on greenhouse gas emissions management for CPAs. So it actually outlines 10 questions to get started, figure out what framework should apply, how you can apply it. And then we come down to the fun part of actually saying, okay, if I'm ready to calculate my emissions and I've gathered up all of the data that I need to do so, how do I know I can rely on it? There's another opportunity for CPAs actually instituting the internal controls and procedures to make sure that the data you're collecting that feeds into your carbon footprint is accurate and reliable. I think a lot of us have a hard enough time just keeping up tracking the dollars, let alone the, the carbon molecules that we're emitting. But I, I can imagine, you know, we have to look at our fleets, we have to look at our plants, we have to look at our, you know, uh, you know our, our buildings. How do I do that? Is this like I take, take my fleet, multiply it by the number of kilometers times a, a standard rate, and I, there's my fleet emissions? Or there's got to be some sort of way of helping me conceptualize how I wrap my mind around how, what is my carbon footprint as an organization? Absolutely. And in many cases, it is actually as simple as taking things like energy usage, fuel consumption of different fleets. And there's a handy little tool uh, called emissions factors. So you basically apply it to calculate your greenhouse gas emissions. So if you know how much of a certain fuel you've combusted, you can apply an emissions factor and get a rough estimation. What is the, uh, I don't want to get into too political uh, an area here, but to what degree does the political environment and the policies and legislations in place like carbon taxes interplay with what we're talking about? So I would say that policy and regulation is only one type of climate-related risk that companies face. So we know that compliance with new and evolving laws and regulations is something that businesses have always grappled with. And this is no different. Policies to address climate change, both to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and to adapt to the impacts of climate change. So examples, you've noted the carbon tax as a policy example in Canada. 
uh, for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Another example would be a national building code uh, that's underway updates to our national building code to make sure that we're actually building with climate resilience in mind in the long term. So certainly this is a factor for companies to consider and evaluate, uh, but it's not the only one when it comes to climate change. Um, let's wrap up just by, again, because this is such a, a new, evolving, you know, still uh, unsettled ground as to where we're going to land on some of these things. But is there uh, perhaps public examples in Canada of companies that exemplify these ESG standards in their public disclosures that perhaps our listeners who are interested in this can learn more about and see an example of what this looks like? Absolutely. I think as accountants, we always like to see examples of good disclosure or best practice disclosure in order to start trying to do some new disclosure at our own companies. Uh, so there's a few different resources out there. So TCFD has recognized that companies are really going to need best in class examples. And in many cases, these are going to come from outside of Canada. So the TCFD has created a resource hub, which actually includes several CPA Canada publications, videos and different documents. And they're curated from all over the world and everything is freely available. Uh, the second piece is that the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board also has a series of SASB reports. So you can go, you can actually take a look. Uh, an example in the United States would be JetBlue has produced a standalone SASB report. Here in Canada, we've seen the likes of Suncor Energy, as well as RBC Bank and TD Bank, all issuing TCFD reports. So those would be good examples to look at. Very interesting. Interesting indeed, and great guidance for uh, all of our listeners. Sarah, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. A very interesting conversation. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.